The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 122 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. What a fantastic show we have coming up for you. Uh, But before we get into that, I do want to thank our reviewers on Apple Podcasts. We have two new five-star reviews uh, from usernames are Frohi Oma and British Girl 47. Thank you so much for listening and for your wonderful kind words. We appreciate the great reviews. Uh, This week on the podcast, my guest is Chanel Nielsen, and Chanel is amazing. She is so inspiring. She is the host of Moms Who Know podcast. And, you know, I've mentioned before that uh, a while back I started a Facebook group for Latter-day Saint podcasters. And consistently, as we've had members of the group come on here and just wonderful members of the church who host their own podcasts, I get feedback from our listeners like you who say, hey, I discovered this podcast or that podcast from you having them on. So over the next couple months, we're going to make a more of a push to have more Latter-day Saint podcasters on the show so that we can introduce them to our audience. And hopefully you'll find more uplifting and inspiring content. And Chanel is so inspiring. It's just wonderful. And this week in my Latter-day life, I'll talk about uh, being slow and fast all at the same time. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today on the Latter-day Lives podcast, my guest is not only an incredible podcaster, but also a presenter, speaker, and someone I really don't know. So I'm extra excited today because I I actually get to know you through this. Chanel Nielsen, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here and to get to know you a little bit better as well. Thank you so much for having me. So Chanel is the host of the Moms Who Know podcast, and uh, we ended up in our Facebook group, our Latter-day Saint podcasters group, uh, we ended up connecting there. And then I've had a chance to listen to your podcast. And I have so many questions. I'm really excited to talk about your podcast. But before we do, let's go way back and hear a little bit more about Chanel. Tell us where you're from. I grew up in Southern California, which is where I still live now. I live about an hour from where I grew up, just a little inland, just a little more affordable. Yeah, that's one thing about Southern California, right? The closer to the coast, the more you're spending. Yes. Absolutely. So, and you grew up uh, in Southern California. Do you feel like a like a true California? Is your heart there or is it something you could see yourself living somewhere else? Oh, I am a California girl all the way. So I, you know, when the when it rains or it's cold, I feel like, hey, we are paying top dollar to live here. The sun should shine all the time. But I just, I love it. <laughs> I went to school in Idaho. And so I have had my taste of the cold. And um, yeah, I really prefer the sunshine. And I love to go yeah. for walks. I go outside every day. So California is where where my heart is. 
Yeah, Idaho weather can really grow an appreciation of California weather. <laughs> exactly. My my office is in San Diego and I live, you know, near Salt Lake. And so I spend a lot more time there in winter. Yeah. That's for sure. So um so tell us about growing up. Did you grow up in the church? Yeah. So my on my mom's side, we come from a long pioneer heritage. I have uh, members of my family who were in Nauvoo, who were in the Mormon battalion and the whole, um, you know, church history side. And on my dad's side, he is a convert and he actually met my mom um, and they married and he was not a member of the church. And when I was seven, we had the missionaries come to our home and he took the missionary discussions. And um, he always says that I taught him to pray. I'm the oldest in my family. And so... (laughs) We had that experience together, and he then, when I turned eight, was able to baptize me, and we were able to go to the temple as a family. So now um, my family, I'm the oldest of eight, and so now my family are you know members of the church, and we have a few who aren't currently active, but um, sure. but yeah, we definitely grew up in a church centered home um, when my dad when my dad came around to it. So do you do you remember your family ceiling? I do, I do. We were sealed in the L.A. Temple, awesome. and um, so. <laughs> Because I was little, I, some specific things I remember. I remember they had a lot of toys as we were waiting and my parents were being sealed. They had some really cool toys in the LA temple. And we also got to watch a video, um, The Last Leaf. I, I remember the video we watched. And then I remember when we were in the ceiling room, I do remember how peaceful it felt. But I also remember that when after we were sealed, we had to shake everyone's hands, and I remember how sweaty everyone's hands were. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that is a memory for you. It's so yeah. tactile. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we've, we've adopted some of our kids, so we've gotten to go be sealed to them. And I think it's neat. Both sides are neat. It's neat to be born into the covenant, but it's also neat to be there with your family. So, Oh, super, I agree. Cool. We have had experiences with friends either who have, you know, joined the church later in their lives or adopted kids and being there in the temple when kids are there, there's something just so sweet about that experience. Yeah. I bawled my eyes out every time. Every time the kids would walk in in the all white, forget it, I'm out. I just would sit and cry and cry. It's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so what were you like as uh, as a kid? What were you into? Were you uh, a jock? Were you into theater? I was into books. I liked to read. I, w- I also was pretty creative in play, but I was definitely not a- athletic. I, um, I'm embarrassed to admit now, but I was always the slowest runner. I just didn't like to move. I, <laughs> I grew up to um, because I, I, have been a yoga instructor and fitness instructor for the past 20 years, but I came to it late. I wanted to sit around and read books and watch TV as much as my mom would let me and be inside. And so that was kind of what I like to do. And then as the oldest, it was also my job to be the ringleader and get my younger siblings together and do different games and, you know, create stories and things like that. So I had a fun time with that. But yeah, I look back and I think, man, I needed to get out outside more as a kid. And and you being the oldest, and now you've got, you know, you're, I'm, I'm just going to say you're an expert on motherhood. You don't do 160 episodes of a podcast about being a mom 
without being an expert on being a mom. So, uh, so I guess, did you kind of cultivate that love being like as an older sister? Did you, did you kind of get some of those mom skills with your younger siblings? Definitely. So my, some of my siblings used to call me mom number two, and I think they meant that I was bossy. That's what I really think they meant. And they did call me that. And, um, you know, my mom, um, is just, she takes it all in a stride. I kind of thought I wanted to have a big family and I thought this is going to be no big deal, right? Like I've seen it all my life. I want to be a stay at home mom. I got this. And then when I had kids, I was, it was a rude awakening. I did not know how hard it was going to be because my mom made it look so easy. Um, so yeah, I, I would never, ever classify myself as a parenting expert. In fact, I have a parenting book that I wrote. And at the beginning of that book, I specifically say, I don't believe there are parenting experts because as soon as you think you know something as a parent, you get a kid or a situation with a kid that just shows you it brings you to your knees is what it does. It brings you to your knees saying, Heavenly Father, I do not know what to do. I don't know. I'm not an expert in this. I don't know what to do with this kid and I need your help. And I feel like, you know, our expertise is is so limited as parents. We want mm. so much and it's so hard to be the way we want to be as parents. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, that's a great perspective. So you you grow up, you go through high school. What came what came after high school? So right after high school, I went to Rick's College when it was Rick's College. I left to serve a mission and I served a mission in the Taiwan Kaohsiung Mission. Um and then when I returned from my mission, so I also when I was at Rick's, I sent off a missionary. And we wrote our whole missions, and then he returned to what was then BYU-Idaho, and so I knew that was the place I needed to be. And so I also went back um, to finish my degree, and which I did, and, and more importantly, um, that was my future husband and we uh we dated very briefly after our missions and <laughs> we were engaged for a month and a half and then married but we had known each other at that point for 3 years there is hope there is hope that this actually does happen because the majority of the time us, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't work but let's go to your mission uh how did you how did you do in taiwan how was your mission so taiwan was an amazing mission um I'll talk about the good part first, and then I'll tell you really my struggle. But what was really cool about serving a mission there is the people there are Buddhist primarily, and so they don't know Jesus Christ. And when we were able to talk to them and and introduce them to the Savior, it was amazing to see this light turn on and to, to see them get to know Him. And, oh, I want to know Him. And that was so powerful. I think, um, you know, for people who are serving in more Christian nations, there comes more of a a convincing kind of that needs to happen and kind of a breaking down of old beliefs where this is like an introduction to someone new. So that was really a cool thing for me to see. Uh, What was a struggle in Taiwan Mm. was the language. Um, I, I, just especially early on, um, I 
couldn't even form. It's a tonal language. So if you say things with the wrong tone, you know, it could look right on the written page, but if it's the wrong tone, it, no one can understand you. And so that was a big struggle. Um, but my first five companions were all native. So about the first six months of my mission, I spoke nothing but Chinese. And so I was able to pick it up um, through that, through the hard way. That was the only language I spoke. And I was blessed in that. But it was an amazing mission. And I'm I'm so grateful to have had that experience. It was also Taiwan is tropical, which I loved. It was very hot, very sweaty. And um, yeah. and we were on bikes is another unique thing about that mission. Bike sisters. Okay. So did you ever drive in Taiwan? No. Thank goodness. Okay. Thank goodness. So I've been to Taipei a few times. I've probably been to Taipei five times. And just being in a taxi, I have to close my eyes. Yeah. Because the driving is, and the, the number of scooters and mopeds zipping around, it's amazing, right? Oh, it, you take your life in your hands every time you're on the road. <laughs> it's intense. I I got doored once. And uh, for those not familiar, oh that's when you're, you're riding along and you're on these tight streets and then people will, will park on the side of the road and someone just opened their door right as I was coming up to it on my bike. And so I crashed into an open door and fell and I'm laying on the street and just seeing scooters zoom by my face. You know, and that was a common thing. I know plenty of missionaries who were doored because it's just a lot of people on tight roads with not very strict um, driving rules. I think the fact that you have a name for it tells us how often it happens (laughs) doored. I had never heard that before. The amazing thing to me is you see a family of five on a scooter riding down the street. And their chickens. Yes, and they're chickens, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. And one of the things I love is, like you said, they don't know, many of them don't know Christ, but their Buddhist faith runs so deep. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible faith. And when you see them at the temples and, and at uh, their places of worship leaving, you know, stacks of food or money or whatever for ancestors, and I just watched their faith and was so inspired by it. I thought it was just a beautiful place. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, that brings up another point, too, about something that we have in common and something we were able to talk to the people of Taiwan a lot is families and that link, that chain of eternal families that's possible through the temple. And that is something that connects with them so deeply because, like you said, they are very connected to their ancestors. They know their family history so many generations back, that matters to them. And so when we're able to say, hey, that matters to us too, and here's why it matters, and here's what's possible through the Savior, that was a really cool thing to to connect with the people. Great, great stuff. So you come back, talk about another transition, you know, Taiwan weather to back to uh, BYU-Idaho. <laughs> and you're back there. Did you, uh, what did you study at BYU-Idaho? I studied business um, mainly because the university was so new in that transition phase um, that there weren't a lot of majors, and that was what my husband was studying. So we took most of our classes together, and it was a great experience. I graduated, however. I, I My degree is in university studies um, and the, with a triple minor, and the reason for that is I left when I was pregnant, and I had three classes left to go. 
And I called a few years later, I thought, okay, it's time. I want this actual degree. So I called them up and they said, oh, sorry, it's changed. And it's not three classes anymore. It's now 12 classes. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I said, okay, well, what can I do to actually not take any more classes? And they <laughs> said, if you change your major, you can be done. And I said, sold. That's what I want to do. So I graduated in university studies with a triple minor in Chinese, family science, and business. So I'm very diverse. I think that's awesome. That's really cool. So here you <laughs> yeah. were. You're a young family. Uh, you've now got uh, children. How many children do you have? We have five kids. Very cool. Which in California, you are the hugest family on the block. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit unusual. Um, and the way our family is structured, we had four really close together in six years. And then we have a seven-year gap. And then we were sent a wonderful surprise of our our little baby who is now three. So there's seven years between wow. him and the next. So that's been different and oh, so awesome. I always recommend it to my friends. I'm like, you should have older kids first because, you know, to help you before you ever have your babies. I know that's not possible, but <laughs> it's nice because <laughs> they help out so much. And uh, and everyone, he's just the little sweetheart of our family and, and he's kind of being raised by all of us. It's wonderful. So then this interest in motherhood, parenting, all of this is obviously coming about as you are parenting. What came first? Was it the book? Was it the podcast? Did you start speaking? How did this kind of specialty area come about for you? Well, because of that gap, all my kids started school. And so I had the four kids in school and I knew I wanted to do something and a friend was looking for a job and she came across this job teaching English to kids in China. And because of my Chinese background, she thought, you know, I should tell Chanel about this job. And so she did. And I contacted the company because we're in California with the time difference. They wanted me to work at like 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. And I said, no, mm. that's not really what I'm looking for. And... Uh, the man said, well, we do have something else. Um, would you be interested in recording audiobooks for us? And I said, yes, that's like, that's ideal. I would love that. So I started recording um, children's audiobooks for use in China. And after that, they said, you know, we really like your voice. And we think it would be great if you started a podcast on parenting. Now, they thought that I was a great parent because um, until very recently, there was the restriction in China, right, that you could only have one kid. And here I was right. with four kids. And they thought, wow, she must be good. <laughs> she, <laughs> she has four. So they asked me to do this parenting podcast. And so I did that. Um, that was the first time I had even heard of a podcast. This was maybe six or seven years ago now. And um, so I started this podcast just teaching about parenting. And that took off and was popular in China. And one of the one of my connections happens to be a famous author in China, um, one of the founders of this company that I was working for. And so she hooked me up with a publisher. And she said, I think you should write um, a parenting book. And so 
I had always wanted to be an author. And to me, that was a dream come true. You're asking me to write a book? Yes, sure. I'll write a book. And so um, I wrote, it's called Parenting with Purpose. I'm currently revising it for an American audience, and it will be published as Parents Who Know um, to go with my Moms Who Know brand. But um, yeah, that was actually such a cool experience writing that book. I really feel like... I know I was inspired throughout the process of writing that book and I would get stuck in places and I would go to bed and just pray, okay, Heavenly Father, help me to know what I'm supposed to say. And the next day when I got up to write, words and experiences and thoughts just flooded my mind and I knew just what to write. And in reflecting on that, I really feel like that book is a missionary effort. It was then translated into Chinese and it sold at, you know, bookstores in China. I didn't write about the gospel per se, but anyone who, you know, knows the church is going to recognize things. Um, You're going to recognize in there. I talk, first of all, there are a lot of quotes from prophets. Um, There are, it talks about family home evening, not in that specific term, but that's what it is. It's talking about family councils. It's talking about these principles that we learn in the gospel. And it was a way for me to bring light to the people of China, who don't have the same access to that light that we have. And so I I feel like it was a work that I was really led to. How rewarding. So was the podcast you were originally doing, was that in Chinese or was that in English? That was in English. Um, Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was all in English. But tailored to a Chinese audience. Yes, exactly. And then this book was same thing, written in English, and then they translated it for, for Chinese Yes. And now you're review you're revising it. Yes. Oh, what a cool cool work. So, how did this lead into Moms Who Know? So, I had been doing that for a little while and the impression came to me that I needed to start a podcast here. And that was really scary to me. Um, I really liked podcasting and I really liked podcasting in China because I could say whatever dorky thing I wanted to say, and no one would ever know me, right? It was very easy, that anonymity. I like that. And I could, uh, you know, it was a little bit hard for me to put myself out there, but the impression would not leave me. And every time I thought about it, I just butterflies in my stomach and I kind of didn't want to do it, but I knew that I was being told to do it. And so I took that step forward and, um, and did it. And it's been about three years that I've been doing Moms Who Know, and it has been such a cool experience. I love it. I really feel like I've grown in it. I continue to podcast for the other company um, that I work for, mm. and now that has branched out into a podcast that I do. It's um, an international podcast. So I do two podcasts um, every week. Wow. And yeah, it's a lot of work, but so rewarding. And the relationships that I've been able to form and the things that I've been able to learn, I just see so much that this is where Heavenly Father wants me right now, both to help other people and then for my own personal growth. What a great way to look at it. I I think it's awesome. I've listened to, as I mentioned at the beginning, several episodes. And one of the things I love is that I expected every episode 
to be about mommying, if I can use that as a <laughs> verb. But really, what it is, is being a mom. You do so much work on self-care and on relationships and budgets and all kinds of things that I wasn't expecting. Uh, so how did you, I mean, how did you decide how to put together the, the Moms Who Know? Yeah, so I feel like as moms, it can be easy to think that all of your time, all of your attention needs to be focused on your kids. And that is so important. Our kids are so important. And so I, I am always careful in the way I say this. I don't want to say that that's not it. However, what can happen is if we neglect our own personal self-care, our dreams, our goals, our relationship to Heavenly Father, our relationships with, with our spouses, you know, mm. those kind of things, if we neglect those, what happens is we're not going to be as good of moms. We can't be. We cannot serve in the way that we're meant to serve, whether that's in our church callings or in our family or whatever, if we're not taking time every day to fill ourselves up with light, to you know, move our body to do those things that just give us the energy and the strength to do everything else. Um, one thing that I almost called my podcast when I was thinking of naming it is Moms Are People Too. And um, <laughs> that's kind of the idea. You know, we are. And, and I it's, love it. it's so true, though. We easily forget in trying to be selfless, sometimes we forget that one of the people we need to take care of is ourselves. I love that so much. Well, and you have incredible guests on. I mean, you have all kinds of experts. So you'll, you'll, I don't know if you pick the expert first and then choose the topic or choose the topic and find the expert. But what I enjoy is that sometimes it's just you. The whole episode will just be you. Uh, you know, musing on something, uh, a topic, but then other times, and it seems like quite often it's, it's an expert. How do you find your experts? Yeah. So a lot of different ways, um, as the podcast has grown, I have a lot of, uh, PR people who will reach out to me and I have to really, um, you know, tune in to, is that the right fit? Is this guest really going to, serve my audience and give them what they need as opposed to, you know, increase my social media following or give this person a platform because I always have to come back to this podcast is for the listeners. This is for the people who are listening. So what do they need? And so that's how I really decide. Um, and then when I always have just kind of my ears, you know, tuned in, I can hear sometimes um, just a conversation, even a conversation on Facebook, or um, I'll read a book. If I read a book that's great, I reach out to the author and I say, you have something to teach my audience. I would love to have you on. Mm. Or, um, you know, different people, just whoever is out there who I am inspired by, who I feel like they have a message for moms that would be relevant, then I invite them on the show. And it's been, it's been amazing. The people I've been able to connect with. Um, yeah. yeah, it's so cool to, you know, people who I never would have in my normal life had this opportunity to connect with and to come across it. It's so fun. It's an impressive list of guests. And 
Now, it's important for our audience to know, as this is a very Latter-day Saint show, that yours is not a specifically Latter-day Saint show. It's for anyone. It's really yes. for any any moms out there. Have you ever had a guest that has shared something that goes against your values? Have you ever had to deal with that? You know, only once or twice. I did have um, a woman who... I don't even remember exactly what she said at this point because it's been a while, but I do remember after the podcast, I recorded a little closing and I said, I just feel like I need to stand up for the stay at home mom. She was kind of a working mom mm. and she was kind of promoting, um, you know, you don't need to feel guilty, go after your dreams and work. Now I'm a work from home mom. And I, I'm not saying we can't work outside the home. I'm not saying that. But I, I wanted to say, and I added just the caveat that however you choose to do it, no matter what your hours are like, no matter what your work is like, my belief is that our family is the most important. And because that didn't come across in her interview. I felt the need to to just kind of correct that at the end. Um, I've had a few guests, you know, uh, take the Lord's name in vain, little things that don't always, you know, sit right. And if I can, I edit that out. Sure. <laughs> I just don't want it in there. And so um, just little things. But for the most part, people are so respectful. And I've actually learned, I've had several um Christian guests, and I've really learned from them how open they are about their faith. And it has been a lesson to me because sometimes as members of the church, we are hesitant to come out and say, you know, God help me with this. When I talk to my Christians, Christian friends, or, you know, as we're podcasting together, praise Jesus. He did this for me and these kind of things. And that's so foreign in our culture. Yeah. We don't, we don't say that. And yet the acknowledgement they're giving to Jesus in their business life, in their family life, that is something I feel like we can learn from. And so, um, as I've grown in the podcast, I have started to acknowledge my faith a little bit more. Um, just, from their example, really. Uh, I love that. I think it's awesome. Have you have you ever had a guest who has realized that you're a Latter Day Saint and asked you know a question, or maybe didn't want to come on, or was concerned about you know, hey, is this a Latter Day Saint show or anything like that, or do they just generally not know? I can't think of anything. Um that has really come up. But I do have a funny, quick experience. I recently was on a, a podcast called It's Time for Coffee. And, um, and <laughs> she she loves to, like, it's supposed to be we're chatting over a cup of coffee. And so she'll ask, what's in your cup? And I said, well, in my cup is water. And, uh, and then later she asked, how do you take your coffee? And I said, well, you know, I I've actually never had a cup of coffee. And so, um, <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, I had another friend who was a member of the church who was uh, on that same podcast and the host, when she said a similar answer, the host said, wow, well, you know, you shouldn't start now because that is something to be proud of. That's quite a streak. And my friend said, you know, I'm pretty committed to it. <laughs> which I thought was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I think that's so funny. Well, what an awesome work you're doing. Are there are there any if let's say our 
our audience now, of course, having heard you, they're going to want to listen to your podcast. Is there is there one episode that stands out that people consistently like that you got huge feedback on that would be a, a fun place for people to start? Yeah, I would point them to two. Um, two. So the my most popular of all time is an interview I did with Jennifer Finlayson Fife. Oh yeah, um, she's been on our show too. Yeah, she is she's amazing. amazing, incredible woman, incredible. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And she has so much good stuff to teach about marriage. And the other one, the other, it's actually a series that is consistently most popular is um, uh, we do a monthly segment with my husband and I called Couples Who Know. And those are consistently the ones that get listened to the most. Um, we've had a lot of fun doing those together. And so those would be places where I would start. Awesome. Uh, by the way, Dr. Finlayson Fife is my number one episode also. It's my most listened to. And uh, we had on uh, the hosts of Mormon Marriages podcast, and their interview with her is their number one. So Jennifer Finlayson Fife has quite the following. She does. She does. She's incredible. Uh, What kind of feedback do you get from your listeners providing this, uh, this insight and this service through your podcast? Um, I, when people reach out, they just will tell me, um, I, I often ask, well, at the end of every episode, I ask what one little thing are you going to do differently or think differently because of what you've heard today. And so my favorite feedback is when people reach out and they say, because of what I heard, I am going to do this. I am going to eat more vegetables tomorrow. I am going to kiss my husband when he gets home from work. Just little simple actions. But that is my favorite feedback is when people say, I heard something, I learned something, and now I'm going to go and do. Oh, I love that. That is so, and that's so aligned with the gospel. Hear it, learn it, go do it. Um, I think that, you know, mothering, uh, which I've never done, by the way, I should clarify, (laughs) never been a mother. But I think that there's plenty of pressure on fathers to be amazing fathers. But I think there's so much, it seems to me, more pressure, whether or not it's real or if it's perceived. But I notice that that in Latter-day Saint culture, I see women sometimes being very hard on themselves and very down on, I'm not the same mother that maybe that woman across the pew from me is or my neighbor down the street or, you know... Do you see that? Do you see mothers getting down on themselves? Oh, I see it so much. And I think even more than that, you know, I feel it. We all feel it. It's like this constant lie that Satan is trying to tell us, you're not good enough, you're not thin enough, you're not smart enough. You know, we constantly have to fight against that. And the only way to fight against that is with truth. And the truth is we are of infinite worth. Heavenly Father sent our kids to us not because we were perfect, but because we are the right parents for our kids. And when we just remind ourselves of that every single day, and and I need the reminder every single day, this hardest job ever, this is so hard. But when we keep that focus and we don't let you know ourselves be swayed by the world and by our perceived imperfections, then we can know we're on the right track and our best is good enough. 
Oh, I love that. I also think it's a wonderful time to be members of the church, A, with all the changes that are happening, but B, I love that we are hearing more, I am a son or daughter or whatever, of heavenly parents who love us, and more of an acknowledgement that, you know, that there is a heavenly mother and that there is that role and, and also bringing forth all the important mothers and women uh, in the history of the church. And, and I just think it's, it's a phenomenal time. We're, uh, we're starting to get there on time, but I've got a, one last question before I ask you the question we ask all of our guests. And that's that, you know, taking this, you've done, I mean, I, I think I counted it was more than 160 episodes, something like this. You've heard so many perspectives if you could, you know, you've got a young mom who's listening right now, or maybe she's not a young mom, <laughs> maybe she's got teenagers and whatever. And for moms who are maybe struggling or maybe at the end of their rope, you've heard all these experts and you've had your thoughts and you've heard from listeners. What advice do you have that mom's out there? What Can you boil it down into maybe a, 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 couple, of, a couple of thoughts or a couple of messages for moms who are out there who are struggling? Yeah. Okay. I want to start this by telling you what my kids say to me when they get mad at me. When they get mad and they just really want to push my buttons, they say, mom, you do a podcast about how to be a good mom. You're not a mom who knows. That's like their ultimate insult to me, that I'm not a mom who knows. <laughs> they're little stinkers sometimes when they're mad, but uh, I wanted oh, to share that. they really that. got you there. I know. I know, right? Uh, I wanted to share that because um, the, the thought that comes to me is motherhood across the board, it's so hard. And the, the, the things that come up a lot, I hear moms talk a lot about mom guilt. I hear them talk a lot about overwhelm. I hear them talk about exhaustion. I feel like... All of those things can be um, lessened when we put in the time to do what matters to us. So the thing that I would say is find that thing that matters to you. Now, in the gospel, we know what matters. We're at a total advantage here. We know. Connect with Heavenly Father every day. That means we're reading our scriptures and we're saying our prayers. And the third one that I would add for me personally that makes a huge difference is um, yoga, meditation, to have a little bit of quiet time. When I do those things every day, then I'm a better mom. It doesn't mean that, you know, dinner gets made perfectly, but what it does mean is I'm not losing it when I'm making dinner. And so that's kind of the theme that goes throughout my podcast is take care of yourself, do what you need to take care of yourself, and then you're going to be a better mom because of it. Uh, I love that. And I think that that's great advice. I would say it's great advice for dads. But we, I think we do that a little too much. We take care of ourselves a little too <laughs> For much. some reason, men have an easier time of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally recording this right after having come back from a three-hour barbecue class so, uh, while my, my wife was home. So I think that men maybe take the reverse of that, start putting a little bit more into it. But women, I agree. There are too many women who, you know, and then at some point the kids move out. And you got to figure out that next phase. And if you don't know who you are, you know, we've seen, we've seen women struggle with that. So I think what you're teaching is so beautiful and so brilliant. This has been a phenomenal conversation. 
just want to remind uh, everybody that the podcast is called Moms Who Know, and it's available everywhere you get a podcast. Wherever you're listening to this, you can uh, you can find Moms Who Know, Moms Who Know podcast, uh, and go check it out. It is just awesome. Uh, we are going to close up with the uh, question that we ask all of our guests, and that question is, what does being a member of the church mean to you? You know, this is such a hard question. It's like, it, it just, it's so hard because it's everything. Being a member of the church to me is everything. It means at its most basic that I am not alone, that I'm not wondering every day where I'm going, that I am on a path and I'm being led on that path by Heavenly Father and I'm walking with Him. That's what it means to me. We are together in this and it means connection with heaven in a way that the world needs and that the more that we can share that light and bring others into that light, then we connect with them and we all walk that path together. So the being a member of the church is everything to me. Oh, I love that answer. She is an author. She is a podcast host. She is an expert on motherhood. She is a wife and she is a mom herself. So that gives her the instant qualifications. And most of all, <laughs> she is a pretty darn amazing daughter of God. Chanel Nielsen, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your Latter-day life with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And my special thanks to my guest, Chanel Nielsen. Isn't she just amazing? I hope I'll get to meet her in person someday uh, because she just seems like such a, a fun and wonderful woman and she's doing such great things. What a pleasure to have her here on the show. Uh, this week in my Latter-day life, I had a funny experience. You know, I've I, uh, been doing a little bit of running lately and I wish you could see my air quotes when I say running because it is really not fast, but I'm trying to get a little bit faster. And I had set a goal uh, that I, I'm hoping to get a mile down under a certain time. And I won't embarrass myself by sharing the time because it's, it's really not fast. It's just fast for me. And on uh, Monday night, I went out, it was Monday evening, and it was a really pretty evening here in Utah, cold, but I bundled up and I went up to my favorite little paved trail where I like to go run. And I took off and, you know, I'm not sure what it was about that night, but I was just feeling good. And man, I was not on the pace that I want to get to, but certainly the fastest that I've run in a long time. And as I was running along, I was getting excited and I was thinking, man, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling so good. And it just feels fantastic. And I started to just think about how awesome I was doing. And then all of a sudden, whoosh, it's like the superhero, the flash came past me as this young 20 something skinny as a rail, tall kid came bolting past me like I was a statue, like I was standing still. He ran past me and he was off and flying. And all of a sudden I wasn't so fast anymore. And it was a little bit depressing, and I had to get my mind straight and say, look, you're not racing that guy. You're just racing yourself. 
And as I was musing on it later that evening, I thought about the scriptures and how we learn that we are the most magnificent, most incredible thing ever, that our souls are infinite, that God created us in his image, that he's aware of us. And we could get really full of ourselves realizing how incredible we are. And it's true, we are incredible. And yet at the same time, we are lower than the dust of the earth. We are lower than dirt, and we are nothing when we, when we compare it to the infamous goodness of God. And I think part of the point of that is to keep us centered. And when we're down, to recognize just how important we are. And maybe I needed that to feel fast for a few minutes, but as I started to get full of myself, it was great to be past that at once I can be fast in my own way, faster than I've been lately, and I can progress. But at the same time, gosh, am I slow. And that's okay, too. The other great message is we have to stop racing other people. This comparison uh, is just not healthy. And for us to look at what other people are doing and say, gosh, I'm not as good at them as they are in this or in that, it's not healthy and we should stop doing it. We're each running our own race. And you know what? You're doing just great. Your pace is great. Maybe we can all run a little faster tomorrow, but it's okay. We don't have to worry about who's passing us or whatever else because God is with us and he has created us to be great. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in. We sure appreciate it. If you enjoy the show and you can think of someone who you want to share it with, We always love that. Thank you for all of that. And if you want to leave us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, it sure helps us out uh, to get the word out there. Well, that's about it for this week. So until next time, please remember there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.